What's going on, everybody? This is Chris K here with Ethan Sowers. Campus to Caching, your official DraftKings main slate C2C show. Uh, Ethan, I don't usually ask how you are, but how are you today? How are, How is this week going for you, week two? Man, I'm doing well. Uh, I know that we just mentioned off camera how crazy of week one action was. Uh, grinding every slate on DraftKings was just a marathon, but overall it was a very good week for me uh, in in the DraftKings streets. Uh, so I'm I'm geared up, ready to uh, to take on week two. How about you, man? Yeah, you had you had a nice week as far as I could tell. With the uh, you had I guess. You know, I don't want to air your laundry, but it sounded like oh, you, you, got a, you got a W, so that was cool to see. Did, yeah. Uh, DFS has not treated me super kindly yet, but uh, I tend to always do a little bit better when there's more data to play with. So, yeah. And it's just such a volatile game in general, right? Like, I would say real quickly, like, what was it? The Tulsa slate? I would have won so much if Braylon Braxton would have been healthy. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously he stunk to start, but like, let's just say he does half of what that backup came in and did. Yeah. I would, I mean, I had lineups that were awesome that just got crushed by it. Right. Yeah. So I broke even and I had 60% Braxton. So anyways, yeah. that's just the kind of game it is. That's the game we're playing ladies and gentlemen, and we're here to help you out. We are a part of C2C, an organization meant to bring you everything and anything, whether that's C2C format, CFF format, DFS, What's the other one? Debbie. I mean, there's shows nonstop. There's NFL shows, there's college shows, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure you're checking us out, liking and subscribing and reviewing and all that good fun stuff. I hope, Austin, you enjoyed that. Uh, let's talk action because I, I don't like talking promo reads unless it's at the 47 minute mark. Yeah. Ethan, I think my main analysis or my first and main thought was can we just not play quarterbacks this week? Um, <laughs> looking at that position was was tough. Yeah. And I think you agree with me. I yeah. mean, what is your take on the overall position this week? Yeah, I mean, they definitely are tight with their pricing on uh, at quarterback this week. It, it seems and it feels like a mid-season slate with the pricing that they rolled out. Um, and I do think that there's some advantage to that just in general. Um, I think that they made a lot of assumptions with the pricing and that the performances that we saw in week zero and week one um, are indicative of the type of players that all of these guys are. Um, so I do think that there are a few guys that provide uh, some interesting uh, plays and some maybe decent savings and value. Um, I do also think that there are a few guys that we could punt that are really interesting names that may be kind of gross, but um, you know, I, I do think that that quarterback this week has, uh, it, it should define the slate for, for the most part. Yeah, there's the problem is it feels like everybody that's in contention, that's appealing is really aggressively priced. Yep. You know, you mentioned that like DraftKings interns thought that maybe week one, we'll see the same thing in week two. So you're telling me. What do you think, Ethan? Connor Wiegman, is he going to go for 32 points again and throw Man, five touchdowns? Definitely not. That's, yeah. that's not so, what I expect. But So that know, makes it makes it a little difficult because it kind of feels like we're eliminating a player right off the bat, right? It, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. If there is 
a top price guy that you're going to or looking at the most one or two options who is who is that guy maybe why is he that guy yeah i mean i think obviously jackson dart is an appealing uh appealing prospect um he is most likely going to be the most expensive quarterback that plays i, I don't expect rising will play against baylor but I, I could be wrong in that one um but you know at 9700 he is in the second highest team total uh, game of the week. Um, granted, I don't have any Vegas info on Kentucky, so possibly Kentucky will sneak in as as the second highest behind Michigan. Um, but they'll be in the game that will likely be most competitive on the slate with a high total. Um, going up against Tulane. Tulane's defense last year against uh, USC in the Cotton Bowl, um, you know, they did a decent job, but they were definitely still uh vulnerable um just as a talent differential the uh the passing game was able to excel for for caleb and and company so i think i think old miss is going to have the ability to move the ball i think that um on the other side of that game michael pratt is also a really nice option um pratt with his dual threat ability and um the fact that he just spreads the ball around i know a few weeks ago we talked about how caleb williams is hard to stack because he's such a good quarterback and he's so efficient with where he distributes the ball that nobody really jumps out as an alpha um pratt is very similar uh just notorious in that that willie fritz offense for spreading the ball around being a great point guard um but also has the ability to get the points himself on the ground so um those two guys are are i think pretty likely chalk guys this week um and it'll be interesting to kind of see how guys are 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 jammed in around them what do you think those are the two guys that i really truly was thinking of um dart has a lot of potential just because i mean if he can throw 90 percent, 80 percent of what he did in terms of just yards and stuff like that that's a great option and he brings a rushing component that's really nice which is, it's funny because, you know, Shadur Sanders is like right there. And I'm not necessarily, you know, considering him because he just, he's, he's almost a, a non-zero. He's a zero on the ground, right? Yeah. He had negative 30 rushing yards, negative 30-something rushing yards last week. So that hurts, man. And, and Dark can provide the rushing potential. I think he had a game where he had 100 yards rushing last year. Um it, d- it was encouraging to see some receiver play that was promising with Watkins and Trey Harris, obviously. Yeah. You know, Trigg looked like a piece of the guy that we thought he would be last year. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And then, uh, you know, um, Pratt, uh, you know, obviously, right. Pratt's awesome. You know, I think I wrote in my article for this week that Pratt ran it 11 times against South Alabama. Like what's he going to do against Ole Miss? Right. Like right. it almost oh, feels the very yeah, very bottom floor here for him is going to be 11, 11 rushing attempts, which, yeah. you know, he's going to throw more than 15 times um, in this one. So it, it looks like he's on par. One guy that I like, uh, I'm curious where you think, where, you, where you're thinking here is Sam Hartman. So you know, I, I've, I've got him listed here and I've got a big old question mark by him because I don't know if he's going to be in my player pool or not. He seems like the kind of guy who has gone under the radar because they've had such crummy competition, um, but who really has a chance to light it up if that game is competitive. Um, I am a little bit concerned about North Carolina State and pace of play in that game. 
Um, I don't think either of those two teams want to go fast um, at all. I, I was kind of shocked at Robert and I's rushing distribution last last week. Um, just a lot more uh, ground game than I anticipated. Um, so he's, I mean, Hartman is definitely in play. He's He, he definitely has the ability to, uh, you know, have as high of a ceiling as anybody. Um, and then I didn't, I didn't write down his uh, salary here, but we're looking at 8,600. Um, we've got the red uh, opponent ranking, um, which we love to see because mm-hmm. a lot of uh, box score scouters are just going to look at that and say, you know, we're, we're off Hartman because he's got a hard matchup. I don't think NC State's a hard matchup for Notre Dame. I think they can definitely move the ball and be successful. Um, I think that, I mean, between, between Pratt and Hartman and let's, let's throw uh, Will Howard in there as well. I think those, that's really the main decision that a lot of people will be choosing between those three guys. Uh, who's your preference out of those three? Well, real quick, you know, I had to mention Sam Hartman considering I'm wearing a home field Notre Dame shirt, which by the way, campus to Canton 15% off over at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, let's see. You know, I think you have some valid points regarding Hartman. I think the nice thing for him is 250 and two touchdowns passing is like absolute floor. It's just, okay, what am I getting on top? Am I getting eight to 10 rushing attempts in a really competitive game against NC State? Um, Am I getting a bigger performance through the air where he hits 300 yards and three touchdowns? You know, I think he's probably the least risky of some of these guys like I like him more than Howard I would look I mean obviously over Wiegman I like him over my guy JJ you know I think I like him over you know Brendan Armstrong and sure there Sanders and I think Armstrong's nice you brought up like a of the point of you know NC State ran a ton yeah that game was was very slow and also it felt like uh it felt like Armstrong was just like scrambling his for his life the yeah. entire time and that's why it's such a heavy rush total but i also think that's probably going to be the case for the majority of the year you know i don't think i don't think he's going to feel super comfortable with his receiving options for a while yeah it's not like he has got a great running back to help him out you know so it feels like he might be carrying the load a little bit more than we might see down the road here in this season but uh, i don't know if i answered your question but I, I do like hartman a good bit i would i would lean dart and uh and proud and pratt over him but i also think we probably see Hartman as the lower owned of the three. Yeah, I, I agree there. Another guy around that same pricing, Devin Leary with the, the gimme matchup against Eastern Kentucky. Um, I was a little bit surprised at how much they threw the ball last week. Um, just mainly because I was backing Ray Davis with extreme ownership yeah. uh, <laughs> on my side. So, um, you know, any interest in, in Leary or, I mean, feel free to mention any, uh, any lower named guys as well here on the, the salary list. No interest in Devin Leary. Um, none at all. I will say with real quick on JJ, cause obviously I watched the entire Michigan game. I wasn't super impressed with the actual run game of Michigan. They, the problem is they did not run him at all, which makes sense in a blowout game or a game that would will be a blowout. You'll get the same thing here. The only thing I would say is, you know, I think he could easily repeat the passing numbers. And they had an instance at the one-yard line where they didn't score after three or four straight downs. And they and every time it was them handing it off to the run, him attempting to hand off to the running back. So I'm curious if maybe he gets the one-yard 
quarterback sneak type of thing, that would put him at a point where 9,100 is definitely worth it. But shifting gears a little bit to some some more value-based plays, ooh, there really is not a ton here. I'll, I'll take more of a gimme and go real cheap. Jordan McLeod, the JMU yep. quarterback, he was announced – I, you know, just looking at game logs, I was like, what the hell happened at JMU (laughs) this past weekend? Dug into it deeper. And then obviously um, information behind the coach stating basically uh, McLeod's going to be the starter. McLeod looked great, but it was limited action. He came in after Barnett just didn't look good. Yeah, Uh, He's super cheap. He's got some legs in Virginia, you know, not going to be a tough defense as we saw against Tennessee, even though Tennessee is Tennessee. So I think he's a really good option. He'll be, I think, really, really highly owned. Yeah. I just don't know how you can roster two eighty-five to ninety-five hundred quarterbacks, yeah. even with like a free square at running back. Yeah, ideal build has always slanted towards really cheap mobile super flex quarterbacks, um, and so McLeod was definitely one of the names of the guys that I I wanted to uh, look at. I was shocked watching i was checking in on that game as it was happening uh central pennsylvania uh bucknell fan over here watching uh watching that box score and there is no reason why bucknell should have been in that game for any more than the first three possessions of that game and i mean it was uh it was a slow start for jmu and obviously barnett's play is is part of that so i think mcleod's gonna have a pretty good chance at going the distance against uva and, and seeing that full game um, the only other two guys that I, and I mean, you know, you know, I'm going to dig through some garbage here and, and <laughs> see what, what's out there. Uh, the two guys that, that I came up with Hudson card at 6,000 mm-hmm. against Virginia tech. Um, I'm usually pretty bullish on Brent prize defense. Um, and just in general, Virginia tech is likely going to be slowing that game down again, uh, trying to basically play the antithesis of what Fresno state played against uh, Purdue. Um, and so I'm not sure if Hudson is going to have as high of a ceiling as he had last week. And even with last week, it looks like, what did you put up here? About 20, 21. Yeah. 21.1 mm-hmm. fantasy points last week. Um, so he's, he's on my radar. He's not anybody who I'm locked in on. Um, but then my, my completely out there will be in one of my lineups uh, this week, but there's really no reason he should be in any anybody's lineup other than just a big tourney option uh, is Doug Brumfield at 5,300 playing Michigan. Um, what you're hoping for here is that he is able to scramble and that Michigan sleepwalks a little bit. I mean, they've got a very easy start to their schedule. I think they've got Bowling Green next week as well. So starting off against ECU, UNLV, Bowling Green, um, it, it'll be interesting to see if the defense is, is pinning their ears back. Um, but Brumfield, obviously cheap mobile quarterback. He's appealing a little bit as a super flex option. Um, but like I said, probably very low ownership, uh, and a low exposure for me, but he's tempting, man. What do you think? To circle back, I do like Hudson Carr, like his, like you said, his ceiling is all that great. Cause he'd have to run into like a rushing touchdown, and I do think he does provide some rushing value. And that's why at 6K, I think it makes sense. Um, it's not like my Hokies are world beaters. Like it just, you know, we're a four to six win team. Like you're never going to cross a guy off because they're facing a four to six win team. But yep. uh, Brumfield, 
I I don't know, man. It's just hard to get behind it. The pricing makes sense, right? And the yeah. usage makes sense. If you do use him, then I would definitely use at least I would use a Michigan player for sure, right? Like you gotta you gotta think that this game gets extended longer than what we probably will project. So yeah. I would definitely say roster some sort of Michigan player, whether that's Coram Edwards, JJ, Roman Wilson, et cetera, right? Colson Loveland, yeah. I don't know what his price is. What are those guys, right? To to counter yeah. it, because someone's got to score, you know, that someone's gonna get more reps than we think. Um it's going to feel really gross to say this out loud after last week, but I think Jeff Sims is somewhat appealing and it's yeah. only because they literally ran him nonstop. Yeah. I think he had essentially like 45 to 50% of their team carries and that's not going to last And it for his health sake. That should not last. Yeah. But I do think early in the season, they, this is a traditional Colorado Nebraska rivalry. Like, yep. you know, Rule needs a win here after that bad loss. Yeah. You know, not that Minnesota's a bad team, but the way it happened was bad. You know, if you told me he's going to get 19 carries again, like I'm going to have some of Jeff Sims or even yeah. 15 plus carries, I'm going to have some of Jeff Sims. But I do think he's uh, a viable. It just, and part of it's because there's just like a no man's land of, of no options, you know? Yeah. So, like, it just becomes weird. You know, Cam Fancher is like a guy <laughs> that you probably will end up with a little bit of and not like it. But um, any final quarterbacks or quarterback thoughts before we move on? No, I think, I think you, uh, you wrap that up pretty well with, with Sims. He's, he's definitely interesting. I will say we didn't touch on him much. I do think that I know Troy's got a, a tough defense, but I do think that I'll have a good deal of Will Howard this week as well, just with that rushing upside. But um, yeah. That's that's my my quarterback thoughts have been pretty well sound here. Yeah, I don't hate Will Howard. I think that's a viable play with this slate. It feels weird that it seems like all the a ton of stud quarterbacks are are missing. Um, they just yeah. play night games, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, looking at running back, we do have a free square, and by free square, I mean it's just a completely poorly priced player in Rasheen yeah. Ali. I mean, he we all you know if you remember his year two years ago, he was incredible. Then uh, he was a first round pick that gets hurt and doesn't come back till the end and looked good. His replacement was uh, Khalil Laborn or Laburn. And yeah. I butchered that. And he was awesome. So it's system plus talent, I think, with Ali. He's going to get a ton of usage, 4,800. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it. You, you yeah. He's going to be 70% owned, 60, 70% owned, right? Like it's got to be at least that. And that will be. Uh, lower than it should be, to be honest. <laughs> but it's yeah. just so hard, man. I'm I'm starting to like pray for his physical health right now because like that's the only like that's it feels like that happens. Someone gets heavily owned like this, it's completely poorly priced, and they go for three points because they rolled an ankle in the third half of the game or something. It is really interesting too the fact that he so his ownership is going to be whatever it comes in at on DraftKings will be less than the number of people that had him in at the beginning of the day because he's the last game on the slate. So if you're utilizing late swap, he's going to be the guy that many people are swap off of because they're they're behind and they need a big game or anything like that. So Yeah, that's um, a that's a really good game strategy thought there, right? And the idea is if you build a team and you are behind rosters and you both have one player left and it for you obviously it's Ali for the other, it is someone that's, you know, 5K or less in a flex or running back position. 
Yep. You must, it, depending on where you're at and what your goal is, right? Is it cashing? Is it trying to win it? Is it trying to finish top 10? Whatever, whatever style of tournament you are in, you may be forced into to fading Ali. So you you make a great point, Ethan. It's He's probably going to be, he would have been higher if he was a noon game and not the last game. But yeah, for sure. Any other, I don't see any other pricing discrepancies or issues. Pretty straightforward past Ali. Yeah, for the most part. Um, I thought Ruben Owens is kind of cheap for his uh, his role that he had uh, for AM. Um, obviously, a step up against Miami. Um, but I, I think that'll be an interesting one. Cam Porter is a, a guy who underperformed on uh, his Sunday game um, against Rutgers. Uh, he's only at 4,900. He's, he's interesting as well against UTEP. Um, I think I was a little bit surprised. It seemed like Anthony Tyus had a little bit more run for North- Northwestern. Um, they were doing a little bit more of a timeshare than I anticipated. Um, and just in general, Northwestern seemed to be throwing the ball quite a bit more with Ben Bryant. Um, that game is is gross, but it's also one that I think could have some sneaky play. Um, I don't think Northwestern's defense is as good as it usually is. And I think in general, UTEP is better than they've played so far. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. I think that UTEP really needs a win. And I mean, Northwestern, obviously the program in general needs a win on or off the field. But Yeah, they might um, not get have some, another chance this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those are some cheaper guys that I'm, I'm interested in. I don't know what my overall exposure will be, but those guys jumped out at me. Yeah, I... You know, I'm not necessarily on Porter, but I can see where you're coming from with it. Um, and he he's really well used in the passing game, which is nice. I do like Deion Hankins on the other side for UTEP. I think I was very concerned with where he was after week zero, right? He got it seemed like he just didn't look good and there was a it seemed like there was a pretty decent split. Then that number turned around last week in the nice matchup against Incarnate Word. He had 24 carries, like 177 yards, stuff like that. So um, I do think that UTEP's just, you know, without like Marcus Bellin, who's like a really solid receiver options, are a little thinner in the passing game. I'm not really impressed with their quarterback play. You know, it's one of the situations where, you know, maybe they score only three touchdowns, but I would bet pretty strongly that, at least to come on the ground. And if, you know, if he's getting 50% of the rushing carries and he's a bigger guy, I I do like him there. Um, Looking at the top guys, we were both on Ray Davis last, uh, last week. I think this is another great opportunity for him to have a big game. Um, I'm not necessarily worried about the blowout against Eastern Kentucky. Are you? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it mainly because they blew out. uh, Who did they play last week? Ball state. Uh, last week and he still got some late carry he had some juice at the end of the game that kind of brought him back he he had one of those undertaker back from the dead moments where he uh he came alive at the end uh and really helped out his his day um so i i like ray davis again this week uh i'll probably be back to the well on him honestly i'm i'm likely going to be back to the well on donovan edwards even though he didn't pan out the way i wanted him to last week um what's your what's your michigan take there with uh quorum and edwards uh, I mean, he's not even the best Edwards on this slate, Ethan. 
<laughs> not even the best D Edwards on this slate, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, <laughs> we can get into Dylan Edwards here in a second because I think he poses a really interesting question or just a situation. Um, you know, I thought the run game looked bad for the most part. Like it just didn't look as dominant. Yeah. Uh, it could just be a week. It was just a week one thing. One thing about Edwards I really liked was they literally like, they actually lined him up in receiver positions. Yeah. Um, and they used him in the passing game. They also used Corm in the passing game. So that's encouraging, just generally speaking, for both of those guys. Yeah. Um, you know, I between the two, I probably would lean Corum. But you know, at the with this with the salary, I don't necessarily, you know, I'll probably have equal amounts. Uh, yeah. but if you're saying like, hey, just straight performance wise, you know, I I would go uh Corm. Edwards was in during the whole goal line fumble snafu situation so that was yeah. a little so he was one carry away from a touchdown right so that's promising yeah i i probably will not roster either of them a ton maybe like 10 percent ish each because yeah. obviously right big uh big team total great matchup i just you almost i mean i'm almost fearing the 10 carries 80 yards of the touchdown type of thing and then get him out of there that's why i'm probably gonna be lower on him than I uh, probably would in future weeks. Yeah. Well, it looks like we also have uh, uh, Quinchon Judkins. He, he got a nice boost in his pricing this week up to 8,100. He's he's second highest behind Quorum. Um, do you have any any hesitation about rolling him out this week or you feel pretty confident even though we saw I, heavy passing last week? You know, it essentially played out like I feared, right? Like the whole limited carries yeah. But he got the second touchdown, which was huge. I think this offense yeah. is it could be prime for a huge year, at least huge first half of the year, like they always do. Yeah. And he got a good amount of carries, you know. So I I'm not worried at all about him this week against Tulane. I think he'll be used early and often. And, and if they're gonna score 30, I think it's like 36 points. Like, how is he not getting two touchdowns? You know, like yeah. The backups aren't encouraging, you know, like at least Zach Evans kind of felt intimidating as like a one B or a RB two type. Yeah. Um, any fear from you on Judkins? Uh, a little bit. Um, I do think Tulane uh, plays well up front in general. Um, I think that they're most weak outside. I think that's where, um, where they're most vulnerable uh, to attack my defense. Um but I mean, again, talent differential is just so absurd with with Quinchon. They will not face a running back as talented as Quinchon for the rest of the year. So um, I think I think I'll have a healthy dose of Quinchon just because of the team implied total um, and the fact that I do think that he is a sneaky way to get a little bit of leverage. I think that his surrounding his supporting cast is going to be a little bit higher owned than usual just because of the big week that Jackson Dart and, uh, you know, Trey Harris had last week. Jordan Watkins had a good week too. I think that those pieces are going to be a little bit higher owned than, than they would be um, normally. Um, but I mean, Quinchon's up, upside is still just, I mean, it's, it's the highest on the slate for sure. Um, considering their team total and the fact that he could just go ham for real. So yeah, um, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Dylan Edwards. You gave a little tease there. What's uh, how are you yeah, approaching so, that this week? I- so you know, the situation is tough because we don't know what Alton McCaskill's situation is. Is he healthy? Yeah. Is he gonna be the guy? I mean, it's hard to Dion to me. 
seems like the type of guy that is just going to play his stars and he doesn't care if they're old, young, if they're brand new to the team or been on the team for four years, like he's completely unbiased. He's going to just play the, the dudes and do it nonstop. And that I think really holds true with their receivers. So all that to say, I think Dylan Edwards is very interesting. He led the running backs with overall snaps. Um, he had the most pass snaps, you know, like he ran it six times. Um, I think like the whole, it does seem a little right. The touchdowns to touches uh, ratio is obviously yeah, insane, but I think the other metrics show that he did play a good bit. You know, uh, yeah. we might see an uptick in usage, maybe a little bit more in snaps as well. So, you know, I'm not hammering him. It's hard to, to love him compared to, you know, you could literally say the top four price guys are all incredible plays. Then you have yeah. Donna Edwards, who's right around him, who's a good play. Then you have the two Kansas State backs are interesting. And then I like Hankins. So like, but I do think that he's one of those, he's not going to be just a flash of the pan freshman. And then he kind of fades away for a while. And so maybe sophomore, yeah. junior, like I think he's, he looked really good. That last touchdown or that long touchdown in the passing game. Oh yeah. That was just an awesome play. Like he made a move, made a guy miss and he was way too yeah. fast. Right. So like yeah. you can't hold back talent like that, you know, although you do obviously want nicer usage numbers than what we saw. Yeah, I get the feeling that uh, Dion runs a pure meritocracy over there in terms of who sees playing time. I think it is very safe to say that even if McCaskill was the de facto RB1 going into last week, if he were healthy, he's not this week. It'll be at least a, a healthy split. Um, just with the way that, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. The athleticism that Edwards showed uh, was just off the charts. Um, I don't think I'm, my main concern for him is his rushing numbers for this, this week. I think he's always got a pretty safe floor. I think he'll get the receiving work. Um, he had five catches last week and obviously some crazy efficiency with the way that he, uh, you know, took a few big ones to the house. But, um, I think that, you know, he's a little bit too, aggressively priced for me to really love him this week he's the kind of guy who if he ever comes in under 6k like you're you're well on him because you know he's got that safe floor um but yeah i mean shoot guys around him you you really already hit hit the nail on the head with that one too <laughs> like uh treshawn ward and uh, dj giddens are some interesting guys there hankins is there um you know I don't really think I want any part of this Utah rushing attack against Baylor, even though they, they should have a little bit more ability to run uh, compared to last week. But yeah, there are just some guys who are right around his price and, and, and lower. And I don't think that there's enough value elsewhere on this, this uh, slate, even with Rasheen Ali being crazy underpriced to feel comfortable with him in a lineup. Uh, I, I would agree with that. Um, it's why well, I shouldn't say that. I, I'm sorry, I completely lost my. Who would who do you not feel comfortable with in the lineup? Uh, Dylan Edwards. Oh no, I don't agree with that. Well, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I agree. I can understand where you're coming from. I, yeah. it's not a heavy usage play because of all the reasons we said. But yeah. I do think um, 
the upside is could be just potentially crazy, especially if you like Colorado to win. Like they they're gonna score, right? So you should yeah. keep that in mind. Um, other options at running back, we mentioned Kansas State guys. So Ward and Giddens. I kind of like Giddens more, but yeah. you know, I'm open to suggestions and thoughts. Yeah, I think I think we'll see Ward be worked in a little bit more as the season goes. Um, obviously, him coming uh, over from Florida State, I believe it was. So, yep. Being a transfer, uh, he, I think, is just going to get rolled in a little bit slower. Um, I think that they like Giddens as being the primary groundwork guy. Um, they seem like they're going to be an efficient offense, at least from what we saw last week. And I know last week they were playing Southeast Missouri State, uh, so take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt there. Um, but Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator, I, I think he's just really got a good grasp for the team identity and the way that they want to play um, and being able to utilize the guys who he has uh, at his disposal. So um, I like both of them. <clears throat> I do think Giddens is the uh, higher floor candidate. Um, but Treshawn is definitely the guy who's more explosive and has the ability to to be a game changer, I think. Yeah, I mean, they seemed to, the staff liked Giddens last year, and I think that shows this year um, the fact that they have kind of just essentially given him a good bit of carries and to let him potentially win the job. Uh, I think both would be considerable. I would say Giddens is definitely the guy I lean on. Whereas, you know, you know, I'd rather just pay up for pay a little bit more for these other options than Ward. But yeah. he's certainly on my radar, especially if you're playing like CFF, you know, like I wouldn't cut bait on Ward yet. You know, a lot of these coaches like to ease guys in, like you mentioned, and, and maybe that's the scenario. The guy is definitely talented. Um, I'll really quickly, because I did prop up Caleb Johnson last week. I think I'm off on Caleb Johnson and just in general. Yeah. The the run game there because they did, I mean, Johnson did get a heavy amount of usage. Like the usage was pretty spot on to what I projected in terms of like my own personal numbers. Yeah. But they just, the offensive line looked bad, didn't it? Like it yeah. took a late touchdown for him to, to salvage his day. That just looks like a bad offensive line. And I don't want any piece of that um, in a matchup. That's not like a pushover, you know, it's not like an FCS team or like a, yeah. Indiana or something where the matchup is really appealing. Iowa State's like not the most incredible defense ever, but they are enough for me to say I'd rather just look elsewhere at that price. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, last guy that I wanted to hit on and, and see, I know that you talked a little bit about Jeff Sims uh, for for Nebraska. Do you have any interest in, in any of these cheaper running backs? I know it's, it's definitely a legitimate committee between – mainly Irvin and Grant. Um, I think Irvin had seven carries and Grant had nine last week. So um, Grant's coming in at 4,400. Irvin is $1,000 more at 5,400. Um, against the Colorado defense that really seemed to give up the, the run game. Um, I mean, in a, in a tournament, are you considering any of them? Are you just sticking with Sims? They should be pretty I'm low owned, I assume. Yeah, I would imagine they're very loans. I would lean away from those guys. I just, you know, the problem is it seemed like Grant was going to win the job. Yeah. And he should have won the job. And then it was Irvin. 
And then they didn't really commit to Irvin. And then yeah. they ran their quarterback like 45% of the times or whatever it was last game. So like, there's just a little too much there. And I, I definitely don't like when the quarterback is a good runner because yeah. then around the end zone, what are we going to do? I know he's not like a bulky guy, but like, it just doesn't feel like they're going to trust or, or really push on those running backs as much as they could if their quarterback was like Hudson Card or Casey Thompson or something, right? Yeah. Like one of those types. I think there's one more cheaper option that I think is interesting, and that's uh, Kalen Black, the JMU running back. Yep. I mean, strictly because of the the price at 4,200, I think is appealing. Um, the offense, in theory, is always going to be a profitable CFF offense. It's just a matter of do they find the right guys to get him to that point. And Black was really good in the first game. Um, I want to see, I think, like, the risk or the juice is worth the squeeze, that risk here and the upside that they feed him a higher percentage of rushes in a closer game. I'm telling you right now, JMU loves to beat Virginia and Virginia Tech. They beat <laughs> yeah. us when I was in school, and they freaking loved it, and rightfully <laughs> so, because they kind of feel like they're not put on the same tier. But their football team is great, like – yeah. They might be able to beat Virginia Tech this year if they were to play. So I would say with that, that's a good offense. That's a, a piece of a pie that you typically would want. So I'm willing at 4,200 to take that shot. If it was like 5,200 or 5,600 or something like that, I would look elsewhere. Yeah, that's fair. All righty. Receiver. I kind of feel like there's some similarities here in that the cheap options were pretty thin. Um, we don't have yeah. any free squares. But the limited amount of cheap options here are going to make things interesting. I'll start with Colorado receivers because I mentioned them earlier. They saw 35 of the 47 targets went to the top three guys. (laughs) Um, Jimmy Horn, I think, is an awesome receiver, as we've seen in the recent years. Xavier Weaver has been awesome in his career and now kind of getting elevated with a, a better offense, potentially. Travis Hunter is awesome, like just straight incredible. But I'm, you know, I worry about the, obviously the offense and defense. Yeah. But it's week two against Nebraska. You know, Dion wants to win and continue to quiet the naysayers. So I don't think week two is where they would pump the brakes on snaps on offense yeah. for Hunter. Do you? No, I think I think he's going to be prominently featured, um, especially anytime he's on the field. I mean, even if they cut his snaps back. I, I don't think that that means they cut back his overall usage um, mm-hmm. much. It is going to be really interesting to see how he holds up across, you know, 12, 12 games this year. Um, he's, he's phenomenal. He's got a great, uh, great instincts on the field. Um, obviously had that interception last week and, and was able to, to showcase on defense and offense. Um, I, it really seems like, kind of a game of whack-a-mole uh, for uh, this this offense. I am – I mean, I know Dion's keeping receipts and everything, but I'm still hesitant to really fully go after uh, Colorado this week. I think that – I mean, you can't bank on narratives at all. <laughs> like, that's just a bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea of coming into a game against Nebraska – after feeling kind of full of yourself, getting to puff your chest out a little bit against the defending runners-up of last year, 
uh, against a, now going against a team who didn't win and really was pretty deflated in week one. I mean, it just screams like a letdown spot. Um, Nebraska uh, seems like they're going to have, you know, a, a size advantage again. I know we said TCU had the size advantage, but TCU traditionally builds themselves as smaller, uh, speedier defenses. It's more scheme-based, too. Exactly, yeah. That, that, you know, I am interested in what Nebraska does in terms of, you know, I think Matt Rule is a hard-nosed, I-want-to-win-in-the-trenches kind of guy, and I think this is a great opportunity to do so and flex his muscles and say, hey, we we too are back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, I, if I'm, if I'm going anybody on here, I'm picking one receiver and just rolling the dice on them. Um, I tend to think, you know, I would prefer to go with a guy like Weaver, who I think is going to be cheaper uh, or not cheaper, but under owned compared to Travis Hunter, um, who is cheaper. Um, and I think that the fact that he had a, the worst day of the three, means that his ownership is going to be deflated a little bit more as well. Uh, but he seems like the kind of guy who um, really has the ability to take any ball to the house. And so I I would go Weaver if I had to pick out of the three. I think they're all I think they're all honestly the same level of play in terms of like how good of a play. Yeah. Just because I think there are ways and things to like and dislike about each to an extent, right? I would lean Jimmy Horn, but you know, like it's apples to apples it's more just a matter of are you in on colorado are you not in colorado that's going to determine the amount of ownership that you have on the three we'll stop with the colorado chatter on this show now moving forward uh i really like i mean i know everybody at c2c likes him right but like evan stewart it just continues to chug on in like last year he was a target hog first game the season you know obviously it was new mexico i believe target hog I mean, is there, you know, Miami's not going to be a, the same type of matchup, but like if they're going to keep throwing him eight to 12 times, like he's impressive talent and he's going to get usage. Wiegman seems, or kind of Wiegman or what have you, is seems formidable. So like it's not going to be trash targets. I like him at this price point. What about you? Yeah, I think he's, he's definitely viable. Um, I think in general, I think. Texas A&M was maximum efficiency last week, and we're not going to see that again. But, um, you know, I think that Stewart is going to have 20 to 30 point upside every week and um, be the the stud over there. I am interested as well in Noah Thomas. Uh, he had six catches last week um, and should see uh, weaker defenders slanted his way. Um, I, obviously, you think that, Stewart's going to have the uh, the cornerback one on him pretty much all game long. Uh, I, I think that there's some some juice there for Noah Thomas. Um, also, I mean, you got Moose Muhammad as well that is a talented guy, but it does seem like he should be you know number three or four on that uh, on that team in in receptions. Yeah, the. You know, it's it was interesting because Noah Thomas kind of came out of it nowhere to become like this guy that was talked about nonstop in the offseason. Like when people yep. were doing these like guesses at depth charts in the summer and Noah Thomas was always at the top. But, it, you know, we were always like Anaya Smith and Moose Muhammad. Like, wh- where are these guys? Why are they not? You know, why is he above them? 
I think he kind of showed it, you know, okay. like it seems like he's a legitimate option. He's not just a guy that ran into a great matchup because of all the things that he did in the off season. So yeah. I, I like him there. I've kind of led the path here on receivers. Who are we, who am I missing that we should bring up early and often? Yeah. Um, I'm, we touched a little bit with, uh, with the other pieces in this offense. Um, with Trey Harris and uh, Jordan Watkins, I think that there is uh, going to be increased ownership on both of them. Um, I played a, a decent bit of Watkins last weekend, and uh, he he paid off. Not not quite the uh, the showing that I I had expected. He he definitely overperformed. But um, do you have any concerns about what this offense looks like once Zachary Franklin is back? I do know that he was limited this week. Uh, already um so probably not playing this week but uh just in general moving forward do you have any concerns about uh the distribution here i think to me trey harris doesn't feel impacted by franklin i want to say they're kind of opposite each other or play wide versus slot whereas i think watkins is might might be a little bit more impacted by a return of franklin that could be anecdotal Completely. That's interesting because I thought the opposite. Really? But, Which, yeah. Well, you know, I was I was always talking to Mike Bainbridge about uh, Ole Miss and the you know Franklin and the, what that meant for him to be there, and he was always preaching Trey Harris was still going to be the guy because of the system. So I was just kind of figure they played different spots. I could be wrong, uh, but just generally speaking, that it doesn't seem like they're going to play this week. I like both of them. Um, I. I you know, this might be a good spot to to not necessarily be overweight on the the overall overall crowd, but yeah, you know, Trey Harris. It'd be crazy to think that he's going to get four touchdowns again, whereas you know Watkins saw a healthy amount of targets and had none. So you would think over time, at least, that that averages out. So Watkins at the cheaper price probably feels like the better play this week, you know, yeah. assuming Franklin's go out and, and then maybe in the future, even that's still fine too, just based on snap counts yeah. and stuff. I think this is as good a time as any to, uh, to ask you the question then uh, just theory wise and how you approach DFS chasing points after week one. Mm. I mean, what's the balance of updating projections based on actual usage and chasing points <laughs> oh man this is like as tough as it gets right it that's the whole thing with week one is do you need or week one week two week three is like you're trying to figure out at what point is this guy for real you know like because we do see so many guys come out of nowhere yeah. um so it's hard to say what i am focusing on a ton with my stuff this week is is straight obviously production and more in the matter of like targets um and then also looking at snap counts um, yeah. I, there is a certain level of value that comes from just being on the field. You know, we, d there's, unless you're able to watch all the different games, there's no way to be able to say these snaps are better than those and things like that. So just looking at overall numbers, looking at targets, if a guy got 35% of targets in week one, I'm not going to project him for that. But if I do see like, you know, the scheme typically fits 30%, I might be more confident in because 30% is such a strong number, right? I might be confident in that projection with a with a strong snap count. The reason why I feel really good about being aggressive on like Colorado receivers is because the snap counts were there, the targets were there. 
there's clear levels of talent. Like if you looked at the fourth receiver, it was um I forget the guy's name, the the transfer from like Northwestern State. And then the next guy, I think it was Antonio. And then the next guy had like two passing snaps. Like you're not just going to automatically like next week in a big game, see a drastic difference. So I feel more confident in situations like that, but there's, there is a little bit of, you know, did you see the game? Did you, I might go deeper into the play by play or find like some YouTube tape just to see what I'm seeing here. Yeah. But you know, there's just a lot of things to play, right? Like what if, Noah Thomas has another big game. It could just because people were yeah. covering doubling Evan Stewart, you know, like that doesn't mean Evan Stewart's going to be a bad play in week three though. Right. right so exactly. is that kind of how you approach the same thing or do you play it a little bit differently? Yeah, I think, and you know, I, my, my DFS strategy has been fluid uh, as the, the field gets sharper and things change just in, in, the way that that DFS is covered for for college football. And I think going into week two, my approach is going to be have a little bit wider of a player pool this week um, than I did in week one. I feel like week one and early in the season in general, it's a pretty good opportunity to take a stand on the guys who you who you believe in and the guys who over all of the offseason, who all the the grinding that, that we've done to pay attention to who's who's the you know wide receiver three at uh, UTEP or who is going to be filling this really niche uh, gadget role on any given team. I think early in the season, that's that's your uh, your winning edge, so to speak. And uh, I think that with uh, with week two coming up, I'm going to have a little bit wider of a pool because I'm, I want to account just a little bit for, for my bias there. You're just lead. Don't lead the witness like that. Okay. Don't, you know, it's got to be need to natural on my not side. Give it now. <laughs> There's not a lot of time left in this episode, unfortunately. No. So I, we'll have to do it eventually. Um, I, I think I can agree. I, you know, the player pool should be a little bit wider as data is still out there. that still needs to be known. Um, and receiver just generally speaking is always going to be a more volatile position. So like, Week to week, those things change potentially way more because there's more variables in play. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I, I think that's a nice little little chime in here randomly at the receiver position. One guy uh we spoke a little bit on last week, more because of Tavion Robinson, but uh Barry and Brown. I think in this matchup, the passing game is could be very skeptical. Yeah, but Barry and Brown to me, I haven't seen a lot of them play, but you know, I, even though I know guys have hyped him up, especially at C2C, um, but he looked really talented, really good. It just, the connection wasn't there. I think in a lesser matchup, this is a spot that he could be pretty highly or yeah, produce pretty highly. And he was shockingly not that highly owned in terms of my eyes. I thought he'd be higher owned last week. So we might be able to see him in a nice matchup at a lower rate. Are you veering from? T- you broke up there a little bit, so I, I didn't hear the question. I, was, I would say, are you veering away from Tavion or are you Barian? Or are you Dane Keek? What's you your know, stance I, there? Because I think one of them is going to have right. a great game at least. Yeah, I'm probably going to be playing, if I'm playing any of them, I'm probably going to lean Barian Brown actually. 
because DraftKings did a really interesting thing pricing-wise, and Dane Key, who had 20.6 fantasy points last week, is the cheapest of the three at 4,700, um, while Barry and Brown is 5,600 after only scoring 12.9 points. Um, and I do think that, in general, they all had um, a pretty level um, playing field. I do think that, that Dane Key had a little bit more of a, an emphasis uh, early in the game with the way that uh, Liam Cohen was calling the game. Um, it did seem like he was leaning on Dane Key uh, or Leary was leaning on Dane Key. Um, so that's that's interesting. You know, I think Ray Davis is going to have more ownership this week than he had last week. So mm-hmm. veering a little bit away from that is uh, never a bad idea. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. Um, as you know a potential way to to pivot off of the the higher ownership guys yeah i mean i like brown obviously i like dane key um i do think leary might look at him as like a a potential red zone target that he gets friendly with yeah he's got no biases he's brand new to all of them he also reminds me of what i consider a big key and that's the cfb winning edge subscription that you can get over at c2c a slight uptick in pricing but uh, well worth it with the wealth of numbers that uh, Nick has done an amazing job to uh, to provide to everybody. But yeah, back on tar- uh, target here. The hard part for me was the cheap guys. Yeah. It's just, there's just not a lot of options here. Um, I will continue to say it. Luke Lachey, Iowa tight end target. I mean, I'm 4K. I will always have some of him. High floor, in my opinion, feels very yeah. safe. And I used him a ton, which was encouraging. They used a ton of two tight end sets, too. So it wasn't like he lost snaps with the return of Eric All. And Eric All had a, relatively speaking, a solid day. So is that kind of where you're looking cheap wise, or are you looking somewhere else? I've got a few guys. Honestly, Lachey wasn't even the uh, top tight end that I was looking at this week. Um, was Drake- it Cade Conley? <laughs> or Drake Dabney. Drake Dabney. Yeah. Uh, okay. Baylor tight end. Got nine targets last week. Um, he's at 4,000 as well. So he's right there with Luke Lachey. Um, obviously, I don't anticipate him scoring two touchdowns every week. Um, I'm not even sure I would project Baylor to score two touchdowns every week after uh, seeing the way they came out against uh, Texas State last week. Um, but he's interesting. There's a really gross volume play that I like here. Um in Cam Johnson of Northwestern, um, 4,300. He had nine targets last week as well. Um, it does seem like Northwestern wants to throw the ball a little bit more than they have in, in years past. Ben Bryant looked his way and A.J. Henning's way a ton last week against Rutgers. Um, they didn't really have any, any wiggle room, but against UTEP, I think that there is a great potential for one of those guys to have a big, a big week. Um, it's gross. It's Northwestern. Nobody wants, nobody wants that. But yeah, when you're looking at a slate where, you know, Cam Johnson was seventh or eighth on total target distribution per game, uh, heading into this week on this slate for him to be 4,300 is pretty crazy. Um, so I, I do think that he's an interesting play. Um, yeah, I mean, you've also got Xavier Restrepo, 4,100 uh, for Miami against AM. So um, there are some options, but 
you know, nobody who you who you can just plug and play and really feel like they've got a solid floor. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, even as much as I really like Lachey, I don't even love that just because of how low that team total is and the offense could really sputter. You know, I think Dabney's solid option. Um, Conley, the other tight end at like Marshall is an interesting option. Some of these guys, it's just yeah. like, you know, they come out of nowhere, they they produce, but you just don't know how, you just don't know how real it is. Um, so, you know, Cam Johnson, you know, if Kurtz, I believe he was out last week. If Kurtz is out again, I definitely can get way behind Cam Johnson more than if he returns because for some, I don't know, for, I don't want to say for yeah. some reason, I don't know if Northwestern is going to really be able to do too much. Just So why focus on run or pass? I think all of it's just kind of rough, right? But I don't hate Cam Johnson. What about like yeah. Reggie Brown? He led JMU in targets. He could be interesting uh, in that matchup. I don't think you yeah. have to force a stack with Jordan McLeod, but I think a guy like uh, Reggie Brown would be pretty interesting. Uh, he had yeah, five he targets and had a touchdown. He could definitely uh, pop off. He had a great season last year, so he's a guy who I feel pretty comfortable with. Um, I think that he's a guy who will garner a little bit more ownership than maybe he should, just considering the fact that he was a big CFF name last year and has, has some juice there. Um, yeah, I mean, just to, to touch on, on that Baylor situation again, you know, Dabney came in this season after being injured last year towards the end of last year. Um, and he, for all intents and purposes was tight end one B with Blake Sims last week or last year um, or Ben Sims rather. And so I do think that he has um, established himself there. And I do think that there's, it's, it's less of a thin play than some people may think. Um, and less of a, a flash in the pan. I mean, obviously, we're not expecting 30-point upside from him every week, um, but I do think he's got a pretty safe floor where I think that he is going to bring in, you know, probably close to a 10-point floor every week. Um, and so uh, that's not really what you're looking for at 4,000 in a, a big tournament, but having upside for, for more than that, um, especially in a game where I think they're going to have to throw the ball to, to stay in it and to be... Um, to be just keep pace with Utah, uh, I, I I do like that quite a bit. Um, so I'm I'm talking myself into the uh, the Dabney play a little bit more as we're we're going here. Yeah, I think generally tight ends seem to be safer in terms of like maybe um, floor, and that's I think Lachey fits that mold. It feels like Dabney, especially with your confidence, feels like that mold. Conley, not really seeing him a ton or hearing a ton about him in the offseason, plus Cam Fancher at quarterback, makes me a little worried. I will probably have some sort of sprinkle just due to pricing um, and how optimizers typically like to just jam in the expensive guy and throw on the cheap guy to make it happen. But yeah. Yeah, he uh, Conley seems like the guy that could be like the the sketchiest of the bunch. But before we sign off today, are we thinking use two quarterbacks, or do we think the running back group is strong enough? Because I'm the pricing. I'm kind of leaning not forcing two quarterbacks. Man, that's that's bold. Um, I still think that I, I was thinking about a little bit about your comment last week about playing a fourth running back kind of leans towards 
uh, cashing more than it does winning a mm -hmm. tournament. Um, and I think that there's some validity to that, just with the fact that quarterback has such a high ceiling. I'm I'm probably going to be rolling. I usually do 20 hand build lineups every week, and I will probably have at least 18 of those with two quarterbacks. Um, I may get weird in one or two um, just to for the sake of being weird, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do think that one of those value quarterbacks is going to have the ability to to really come through and and carry a, a tournament uh, lineup. Um, that being said, at, positionally as a whole, I feel much more confident about the running backs. Yeah, I think if you're if you are rocking two quarterbacks, you're gonna have to feel comfortable with a pretty high amount of McLeod yeah. card. You're gonna have to dabble in some sims and some brumfield so you have to be open to some of those options whenever i'm i this is so tough whenever i don't force two quarterbacks i always still want to be around like 175 percent out of 200 percent yeah quarterback usage so like you know very strong two quarterback numbers yeah um and there's times where you know i can't get anything over like 150 and at that point, I just force it because it's like I you would just start boosting the hell out of some of these quarterbacks, which yeah. makes it tough. But it is it is remained to be seen if it's that smart of a play. This feet this week feels like a better week to do it than last week. I also because think the quarterback yeah. feels thin. I also think there's a little bit of um, this is a weird slate because Rasheen Ali is so cheap. I think if you're playing that fourth running back, you're considering Rasheen Ali as a quarterback at that price because he's going to have the ability to get you such a high ceiling. So if you really do think he's going off, it's one way to kind of counter the high ownership that he's going to bring in is by playing a fourth running back. You have exposure to one more guy that the majority of the field is not going to have. Um, so I think that there's... A, a good deal of game theory behind that um, and playing for if you're rolling the free square of Ali. Yeah. That's another point too, is that the free square, it's a running back. So really it's like, okay, are you playing three in addition? Um, you got to find some value. If you're going to do it though, if you're going to play two quarterbacks, you're going to have to find some value or feel good with McLeod, Brumfield, et cetera. So yeah, but well, hope everybody enjoyed this week's uh, version of campus to caching be on the lookout for f uh, flex and fade if you are is it nil members yep um be on the lookout for that later this week we will be talking about two receivers cheaper to mid-priced i guess we can spoil it. it's not a big deal yeah uh roman wilson as well as malachi field so we're getting in the weird bucket here with our options but hopefully everybody enjoyed it Best of luck this weekend. Let us know how you're performing. If you have DFS questions, we're always happy to help on Twitter. And I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the, enjoys the weekend.